0: The Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice is one of enduring love and ultimate tragedy. Orpheus was the son of the muse, Calliope, and in some stories his father is the god Apollo, son of Zeus. Apollo is a major deity in ancient Greek myths, god of music, poetry, the sun, the arts, healing, and much more. In other tales, Orpheus's father is the king of Thrace, Eregris. The kingdom of thrace spanned across parts of modern-day greece bulgaria and turkey it was said that orpheus was one of the greatest poets and musicians and that he had perfected the lyre with his music he could charm beasts quiet the birds even lead the trees and rocks to dance and tame the wild seas as a child orpheus met apollo who gave him the gift of the golden lyre and being the god of music taught Orpheus to play the instrument and create the most beautiful of sounds translated into melodies. Now I invite you to turn down the lights, turn up the volume, and join me, Autumn Rebus, in a darkly lit place while I tell you the story of the tragic Greek myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. In the epic Greek poem, Argonautica, Orpheus embarks on an epic adventure with the legendary Jason and the Argonauts on their quest to find the Golden Fleece. The Golden Fleece was a mythological symbol of authority and kingship, and acquiring it would restore Jason's rightful claim to the throne. Orpheus was essential to the success of this mission. If not for his magical, musical talents, the Argonauts would have never made it past the Sirens, monstrous, mermaid-like creatures with the head and torso of a woman and the scaled tail of a fish from the waist down. The songs of the sirens could lure passing sailors to a cold, watery death. The siren's song was so beautifully intoxicating, it would lead the sailors to hurl themselves overboard to get closer to the source of the mesmerizing harmonies. Fortunately for the Argonauts, as their ship, the Argo, approached the rocky shoreline where the sirens made their home, Orpheus began to play his lyre, and the music it created was hypnotically enchanting, and it echoed against the rocks lining the shore. This confused the sirens and saved the Argo from being lured onto the jagged rocks, wrecking the ship. The crew did suffer one victim who flung himself overboard at the mercy of the siren's song, but he was saved by the goddess of love and beauty, Aphrodite. Upon his return from the epic quest of the Argonauts, Orpheus, once again home amongst his people and familiarity, began to play his magical melodies of the lyre. Orpheus was well loved by all. His music had made him insanely popular. Everyone loved it and just could not get enough. One day, on his own, he walked and wandered as he played his lyre And it seemed the trees and flowers, even the rocks on the path he traveled, were leaning in to listen contently to his musical verse. Orpheus continued to play as he wandered deeper into the woods, and soon forest nymphs and tree nymphs began to gather and follow Orpheus, dancing as he played and sung his melodic tune. and quietly an old oak tree began to stir as if something living inside it had awakened the bark covered skin of the old tree began to tear and open up to reveal the beautiful tree nymph Eurydice Orpheus looked on in curiosity as the graceful beauty Eurydice emerged from the giant oak as if the soul of the tree itself had come to life and been born from the sound of his music. Orpheus was immediately and completely immersed in the overwhelming feelings of love and attraction for Eurydice and she for him. It was a love that was complete and true and all-encompassing for them both. Orpheus and Eurydice were married shortly after, surrounded by the people of Orpheus's kingdom and the nymphs of the trees in the forest. The presence of the god of wedding ceremonies, Hymen, was also requested by Orpheus, as it was tradition that if Hymen didn't attend and bless the newly wedded couple, the marriage would be tragic and unhappy and Hymen did attend the ceremony, but he refused to bless the marriage of the blissful lovers. He predicted their perfect love would be cut short in an unforeseeable and unescapable fated accident. Just a few days later, after the prophecy offered by Hymen, Eurydice was in the woods laughing, dancing, singing, amongst the company of her friends and the other nymphs, when she was surprised by the approach of Aristeus. Aristeus was a minor god, son of Apollo and another nymph. He was accustomed to getting what he wanted, and had a reputation as a seducer of women. Aristeus now had his sights set on Eurydice, but she wanted nothing to do with him. Eurydice tried to be polite and simply walk away, expressing the love she held for her husband, Orpheus. Aristeas ignored her resistance and followed after her. As he became increasingly aggressive, Eurydice took flight, running away from him as fast as her feet could carry her. She took off through the woods, without taking care to watch where she tread. Her only thoughts were to escape the pursuits of Aristeus. With one fateful step, her foot landed on a viper, and in a moment, the snake had attacked, biting her with a sharp, venomous kiss. Eurydice collapsed, stopped in her tracks, and quietly died where she fell. would find her not long after. His grief was inconsolable. Eurydice's body was prepared for burial, as was the custom. It would be washed and anointed with essential oils and dressed in soft linens. It was also extremely important that a gold coin be placed under the tongue. You see, you had to pay Sharon, the ferryman who took the souls of the dead across the river Styx to the entrance of the underworld and the kingdom of Hades. It was believed that burying the body beneath the earth would make it easier for the soul of the deceased to make their passage to the underworld and to Hades, the god who ruled over the dead. Hades was brother to Zeus and one of the twelve Olympian deities. While most of the Olympian gods and goddesses chose to make their home on Mount Olympus, Hades preferred to stay in his kingdom of the underworld. Hades ruled alongside his wife and queen, Persephone. Persephone was the daughter of Demeter, sister to Hades and Zeus, and goddess of the earth, the harvest and fertility. While it was said that Persephone eventually grew to accept her plight as Queen of the Underworld, it was not by choice. Hades had fallen in love with her from afar, and he then conspired with Zeus to trick and kidnap her, taking her down to the Underworld. morning, Demeter brought Persephone alongside her when she went to check on the state of the harvest crops. She left Persephone to play and be supervised by the sea nymphs and freshwater nymphs, but Persephone was distracted by a bright yellow flower in a nearby meadow. The nymphs tried to keep her close to the water where they could keep watch, but Persephone wandered toward the uniquely bright and beautiful flower. She tried to pluck the flower, but Zeus had placed this mysterious bloom there to lure Persephone away and have her separated from the nymphs who couldn't leave the water. It took all of her efforts to pluck the flower, and when she did, a giant hole opened up in the ground, and Hades reached through, snatching Persephone and pulling her down into the underworld. When Demeter returned, she found the nymphs crying in sorrow, and when told what happened to her precious child, Demeter was devastated, and she was angry with the nymphs that had done nothing to protect Persephone. Not that they could have done anything to begin with, but in Demeter's panicked emotional state, she cursed the nymphs and transformed them into the monstrous, scaled sirens. Demeter begged her brothers to return Persephone to the land of the living, exclaiming that she did not belong in the underworld, the kingdom of the dead. With Demeter in deep depression and despair over the loss of her daughter, the earth was left in neglect. The harvest crops and vegetation... All died. The earth turned brown. There was no food, and the cries of the hungry people, along with the sadness of his sister, finally wore on Zeus. <music> Zeus finally negotiates with Hades for Persephone's release. But before Hades lets her go, he persuades her to eat some pomegranate seeds. According to legend, because she ate food offered to her while in the underworld, she would be forced to return. Some stories say that Persephone ate six pomegranate seeds, so she is forced to spend six months with Hades and six months with her mother which represents the four seasons, spring being when Persephone is returned to Demeter in the land of the living, and the earth turns green with the growth of springtime foliage. In autumn, she is returned to the underworld to live with Hades, and the earth turns brown as the plants and flowers and grass all die with Demeter's depression. In other stories, it is said that Persephone ate four pomegranate seeds and therefore must spend four months in the underworld, representing the winter months alone that she spends with Hades, cursed in the kingdom of the dead. her burial, Eurydice's soul slowly finds its way to the dark, foggy shore of the River Styx, and she waits there for the ferryman to carry her across in his boat. Orpheus, in the meantime, has entered into a state of denial and bargaining, crying out to Zeus, Hades, Apollo, or any god or goddess that will hear his pleas begging for Eurydice to be returned to him, pleading that she has been taken too soon, that it was unfair they had only just been married, and their true love snatched away almost as soon as it was found. Finally, the god Apollo answers Orpheus's cries and tells him to go to Hades and the god would protect him on his journey as it was forbidden for the living to travel to the underworld. Orpheus was armed only with his lyre and made his way to meet the fabled ferryman of the River Styx. Upon attempting to board the boat, Sharon asked for a coin in payment for the crossing. Orpheus simply began playing his lyre, Charon had never heard such beautiful sounds and, reluctantly, allowed Orpheus to board, and they made their departure for Hades. Orpheus entered the kingdom of Hades and quickly found his way to the throne of the god. Hades was unmoved by Orpheus' pleas to release Eurydice. Hades had a personality that was as cold, harsh, and unfeeling as the underworld itself. Hades had no empathy for the mourning Orpheus, and had no intention of returning Eurydice to the land of the living. Orpheus began to play his lyre, His last and final leverage was his magical melodies. He could move rocks, tame beasts, quiet the seas. Surely he could convince the god of the dead to release his lost love. Hades was unmoved. However, the sound of the music drew the attention of Persephone, who had now appeared and took her place in her throne alongside Hades. Persephone was struck by the sorrow and determination of Orpheus to be reunited with his recently deceased wife. It was the queen of the underworld who was able to coax Hades into agreeing to free Eurydice's soul and allow her to return to the living with Orpheus. Hades gave Orpheus strict and specific instruction. Eurydice would follow behind Orpheus as he made his journey back to the light and out of the caves of the kingdom of the dead. But Orpheus could not look behind him to see Eurydice until after he had returned to the Land of the Living. If he did, Eurydice would be returned to the Underworld forever. Orpheus was ecstatic. He thanked the god and goddess many times before leaving to ascend from the Underworld. As he walked, he could hear nothing but silence behind him. He tried to speak with Eurydice, to get her to somehow show him a sign that she was in fact there, but all his efforts were futile. While in the kingdom of the dead, Eurydice was just a shadow of her former self. She was unable to speak, to hear, to make any sound, or even understand what was really happening. She was a ghost of herself, and it wouldn't be until they were back in the light that she would be restored to the woman she had been in life. Orpheus continued on, and as he approached the ferryboat, he asked Charon for confirmation of Eurydice's presence. But Charon, as a loyal servant to Hades, would not respond orpheus was running out of patience he couldn't stand not knowing if eurydice was behind him and he knew that if hades tricked him and he made it back to the light and eurydice was not with him there was no way he could go back to the underworld a second time he was just a few steps from entering the light but his panic overtook him He had to know. He stole a glance, just a quick, brief look, and was delighted in a moment that he saw Eurydice following just behind. But it was a tragic mistake. In a flash, Eurydice's soul was swept back into the depths of the underworld. Hades hadn't tricked him, and now he had lost her forever. Orpheus returned to the light, a broken man. He could not bear the guilt of losing Eurydice a second time. He cursed himself for taking that glance. Orpheus, from then on, only played songs of sorrow and sadness, mourning and the pain of loss. He couldn't stand the sight of women. He always saw Eurydice's face in each woman he encountered. So he avoided them and cursed their sight for reminding him of his one true love. Orpheus was no longer the popular, adored musician and poet that he had been. He lost himself and his people lost their affection for him. several different stories depicting the death of Orpheus one account being that he committed suicide unable to live with his grief for Eurydice a second account is that Zeus struck him with a lightning bolt because he was sharing secrets of the gods that he had learned from his journeys to Hades and back again Finally, the most prevalent and gruesome account is that in his loss, he had shunned off all women and all gods with the exception of Apollo. In this account, he is torn to pieces by female followers of the god Dionysus, god of the grape harvest, winemaking, ecstasy, and madness. His followers were known as the raving ones, and in the myth, feeling scorned by Orpheus for his treatment of women and disdain for their patron god, they kill Orpheus and literally tear him piece to piece. Orpheus's dismembered remains were thrown into the sea, and it's said that his head and lyre were still singing songs of loss when it washed up on the shore of the island of Lesbos. It was buried there, and a shrine was built where the Oracle of Orpheus was established and offered prophecies until being shut down by the god Apollo years later as it was competition, if you will, with the Oracle at Delphi. I thank you for joining me in a darkly lit place i hope you enjoyed the story of orpheus and eurydice please take a moment to stop by the website adarklylitplace.com for more information along with a photo gallery a darkly lit place is also on twitter and instagram both with the handle at a darkly lit place please click follow and say hello and I will look forward to the next tale of history, myth, and legend. As always, thank you for listening.